Welcome to my basement, everybody. It's a huge basement that yes. uh, we have here. Cavernous. This is uh, my friend, Marty O'Donnell. Uh, you absolutely know this man from his work on Halo and Destiny and uh, several, several years of making us unbelievably cool sounds and music. And uh, he's got a brand new studio to tell us about. His, the company name is Highwire. He's got a brand new game that's in the works for uh, the Sony VR system, the PlayStation right. VR called uh, Gollum. Uh, but first of all, Gollum. Gollum, is that how you pronounce it? Well, that's how we pronounce it. All right, very nice. Because <laughs> Marty? Gollum is the uh, enemy in uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, of course, so okay. So this is Golem. Okay, well, I, that was a long handshake. Yes, Victor, uh, was that uncomfortable for you? Is no, I loved it. Okay, we can do some more, yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Welcome to my basement, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I like this, this is great. <laughs> Thanks for having me, I love, to, love seeing you again. I know, we've been, uh, we go way back, and I think it was Tommy that introduced us, we were kind of talking about this yeah. off camera, that uh, through the Game Audio Network Guild, which right. I understand you just won a Lifetime Achievement Award I, last night. I did, Lifetime yeah. Achievement, which is funny because like, once you win one of those, you're yeah. sort of, you're sort of done. <laughs> you can't that win is, another one, that's right? Bullshit. <laughs> I'm Todd Howard won one this week too. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Oh, good for Todd. I think Todd might be younger than me. <laughs> he certainly looks younger than me. I mean, honestly, I think this business keeps us all young, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. I'm, and uh, it's it's fun because I've been working with you know people who love games and love working in games yep. do keep you young, and and they, of course they also usually are young. Yeah. Uh, which is why my nickname has been Marty the Elder for like the last 20 years. So I just, I just keep getting more and more elder, but inside I still feel the same. That's awesome. Listen, you know, the, I, I want to get the, the, the controversy stuff out of the way, first of all. You know, what controversy? I know, right, okay. Uh, so it was very high profile, the split that you had with Bungie, and uh, it was a shock. I think the whole industry was just completely confused and wondering how anything... Uh, it's quite so awful was kind of being broadcast in so many different ways. Um, you know, you might not be able to go into specifics because of uh, legal things or whatever, but uh, you catch us up. What happened? How are you feeling now? Is everything okay? Is it water under the bridge or is there still some sore stuff there? Uh, well, yeah, gee, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty much water under the bridge. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's interesting to talk about it as a bridge. I, I think I've described it as like a gulf that just sort of continued to widen. Mm -hmm. and, and on both sides tried to bridge it. I was basically on one side and the rest of the Bungie leadership sort of was on the other side. And we tried to bridge it for a while and it just didn't work out. Yeah. And uh, it was probably the right thing to do. I, I, I think it was, I, in my opinion, it wasn't maybe handled in quite the best way yeah. uh, and, and thus yeah. the, the sort of stuff that happened afterwards but that's all behind us now I'm looking forward and uh, you know I have a new company and there's a you know a bunch of old dogs and, and we're doing new tricks so yeah. that's it's that's a lot of fun yeah. and you know I still have a ton of friends at Bungie and and you know one of the the outcomes of the the the, the arbitration was that I'm, you know, still a pretty good stockholder in Bungie, and yeah. so I wish Bungie the best. And well, I want, your work I want... is very much a part of Destiny still. Every time I boot it up, I'm like, I see your face, man. <laughs> you know, and every time I play Halo, I see your face oh, too. You know, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. And you know, it's funny because I've known this for a while. I, I'm actually uh, uh, teaching one afternoon a week at Digipen yep. in Seattle, and um, or Redmond actually, technically, yep. and. They, they had me do a sort of a historical retrospective working on Halo 1. And yeah. I said, yeah, get the, 
you know, get the original Xbox and, you know, get an NTSC monitor and let's get the, the original setup for surround sound speakers. And it's like nobody could find any of that, any of that technology, <laughs> like the specific thing that made it all work back 15 years ago. Um, it's hard to find some of that stuff. But uh, the thing I continue to see from especially talking to fans all around the world and, and going around is people always remember the music and the music is always accessible yeah you don't need to do anything but just jump on the internet or pop your you know iTunes player or whatever and yeah. you can listen to the music and it brings back all the memories or certainly a lot of the memories and that means that I'm just lucky to be able to be in a position where I make stuff that will stay with people a long time right. and is actually easily accessible so that's that's sometimes better than actually making the game in terms of longevity well i mean one of the greatest things about that original xbox and i i freaking love that console i thought it was so ahead of its time and so uh yeah i don't know technologically advanced and it was like pushing 720p already mm -hmm. it was getting people into the hd era but it also had surround sound yes. capabilities in a really proficient way right. and I, you know, we've progressed somewhat since then for sure, but that was really a revelation to hear yeah. music like yours and sound effects coming from, you know, every discrete signal and every yes. discrete kind of channel around your living room and stuff like that. Has your job changed quite a bit since, uh, you know, crafting music and, and you did a, a lot of the soundscapes and sound yes. effects and stuff. Has it changed a lot um, since those days or did you kind of really define what your job was with the Halo? Yeah. I, you know, to an extent, that's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. I think to, because the Xbox, the original Xbox, was so cutting edge, especially for me in the audio area. Yeah. I was talking to the Brian Brian Schitt, <laughs> Brian Schmidt. Yeah. If you can add we can that. say shit on the show, but <laughs> it's not a nice thing to call Brian. But no, he's such a sweetheart. Uh, who I've known forever. He was one of the first guys I met in the industry. But he was at Xbox at the same time I was. He was sort of running the the design of the technical specs for audio. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he got, when, when Bungie was being, uh, you know, bought by Microsoft to bring Halo over to the Xbox, I, I was still wondering whether I wanted to go with Bungie. Yes. Because I had a, a commercial company in Chicago. Right, right. <clears throat> So um, I thought, well, I certainly want to finish Halo because this is a really cool game but I didn't think it was going to last I yeah. mean I thought uh, maybe I'll go to Seattle for a year and then go back to Chicago sure how can you know you can't know yeah but the thing that really attracted me is I kept hearing that we're going to have 5.1 surround sound in real time and I'm like no you can't encode and decode in real time yeah it's like no we've got a thing Dolby's done this thing and we've got the chip and the yeah. whole thing and I'm like oh my goodness I'm going to make a game that has real-time Dolby surround sound and uh just before, within months of the release of the Xbox, um, there was potentially that chip wasn't going to be in. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I remember going over to Brian and like, Brian, you promised me <laughs> Dolby surround sound. That's why I moved out here. And, uh, you was know, they Jack got it in. Was down there? No. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think he, oh, yeah, wow. I'm not sure if he was yet. Okay, I remember having a big. Dolby. But I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't actually talking with Dolby. That was okay. all Brian's stuff. You should ask him what happened. Okay. But anyway, it did get in. Yeah. And um, I still remember like feeling like if you ha if you haven't played Halo in surround sound, you really haven't played Halo. Yeah. Because having a rocket 
shot at you going over your shoulder and exploding behind you and you'd hear the explosion behind you yeah. and all the debris from the cliff falling and scattering all around you yeah. was such a viscerally amazing experience. I got to tell you what it was like from my perspective, okay? Because okay? I had already been doing a number of years of game coverage, you know, PlayStation yeah. 1, PlayStation, like that we've been, Tommy and I were reviewing you know, like some of our old stuff is out there, right? So you watch that stuff, it's like, holy crap, What? how we were terrible, but also the games. We were 12 years old. Well, we were very young. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox started to kind of take the reins of where we were going with this, was also the time that we were expanding into the States with G4 and all that stuff. Yep. And it, we were having access to the best entertainment that was being created in the right. world easily. Like stuff was being sent to us all the time. And we did this whole year of Xbox Watch in partnership with oh, Microsoft excellent. because it was a new console and a new idea for them. And we were kind of spreading the word about their, their dreams with all of this stuff. But I also, I had bought a home and I had a whole sort of, this is the genesis of Vic's basement to begin with. <laughs> I had one of those, those kick-ass home theater type setups and I remember having all my surround sound stuff and a projecting projector screen. Oh, excellent. It okay. was a real immersion yeah. into the game space and when I hooked up the uh, Xbox and I played Halo and I heard the, the you know, bullet shells over here and, and grenade launching stuff over there, you know, great grenade explosions over there and your music just filling the room and the, the vocal, like the choir stuff and the, it was unbelievable, man. Good. I mean, like chills down the spine <laughs> and honestly, it was, it must have, it like precursor to VR in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. right? Like, because especially with the size of the screen and everything, I was like, seriously, in moments of, of gameplay, right. not maybe not so much in Halo, but in some of the stuff that I was playing, it was, you'd get nausea, you know, yeah, because right. you're completely thrown into this other world, man. <laughs> and well, I'm yeah. certainly hoping that, uh, you know, that nausea is not the uh, standard uh, of, you know, judgment of, uh, about no. like new technology, but yeah. You know, the thing is, I was talking about this the other day, that with the original Xbox, or, or any 2D screen that you're doing, yes. um, you're really looking into a window. Mm -hmm. And your world is a window that you sort of like move with your thumbsticks and you have this camera, but the window stays right here. Sure, yeah. But the audio field is the it's thing enveloping. that enveloping, yeah. envelops you. Yeah. And, and so when you asked, you know, what is your job, has it changed? And it really hasn't because I've always thought about the audio in a you know completely immersive, mm -hmm. spherical, this is your audio, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But the difference is when you have just the window in front of you to look through, uh, you don't get the visual uh, experience, that presence, right. quite as good, which is why you kept having bigger and bigger screens to yes, try to get to it. simulate the yeah. idea that you're being enveloped by the visual. Absolutely. And now I think VR, and yes, VR is just starting, and it's hard to even show on yeah, a 2D. It is. It's, it's just hard to get people yeah. to understand what's going on. But the thing I would say is just in the same way that your audio ha has been for a while a spherical, all-enveloping world, yeah. now that's what the visuals are because yeah. you are actually there. So when... You know, when the rocket is flying over your head, you can look and yeah. you follow it. And yeah. you're not changing your camera, right. you're actually physically looking. And so it all matches together. Plus, I know, I know where your ears are. Yeah. And I only used to know where you were sitting, hopefully. Right. Wow, okay. So I knew where your sweet spot was. Yeah. Now I know where your ears are. Yeah. And that technically, uh, technologically, and, and there's, there's gonna be a lot of amazing things that happen and experiences that, uh, you know, 
talented, aesthetically attuned people in the game business are going to make, yeah. both visually, design, and orally, yeah. I think that are going to be amazing. I'm starting to become a believer in this. <laughs> no, I really am. Like I've, I've really just had my first tastes with the uh, the Samsung Gear VR, okay. and I could see. Like I played this game called Gunjack, which is about as simple and sort of mobile esque a, a video game escape into VR mm -hmm. is right now. But mm -hmm. you really felt like a giant ship flying over your head, and you could look down, and yes. it's you see your body and everything. It's it's an amazing. First step, and I know First that step. Oculus, and I know that uh, the Vive, and especially the PlayStation VR, which I think has probably the best chance to reach a lot of people mm -hmm. this year, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be offering some pretty amazing things. But I, and I want to get into Golem sure. in, in a sec, but I, I have to ask, why still the attraction for games? You've you've been a part of. <laughs> some of the best-selling video games ever made. Yeah. And, and because of that, I would imagine that you are constantly contacted by creators in music and in movies to kind of pull you in other directions. But you are staying and you've created your own game studio. What's the attraction with video games? Uh, <clears throat> well, in the first, for one thing, mm -hmm. especially when you have a sort of, a sort of public, messy uh, legal thing happening, yeah. You don't necessarily get as many phone calls as, <laughs> <laughs> as you might think. So, uh, but but to be honest, like I I've thought about just going in the like maybe I'll just yeah I'll just like go back to commercials or I'll, I'll go just try to go straight into just doing film work yeah. or just composing music. But the thing was, I was always a, a an audio director and someone interested in the new technology sure, and how yeah. it all goes together with you know writing and voice acting you and got the taste. and and you know sound design and music yeah. and and of course all having it be an interactive experience. Yes. And for at least the last twenty years, if not more now, I think in '93 I was had my epiphany that this was the future mm -hmm. when I played Mist. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, I thought, yes, this is the next cool place to be. You know, if I if I had, you know, come of age in the 1950s, which I didn't, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I would have wanted to work with Rod Serling or something. You know, and right. like, pioneer in television. But you know, movies and TV were not pioneering areas anymore. Yeah. But the game industry was like, wow, this is a really interesting, cool place to be. Yeah. So. Um, I guess I still have the taste. I still yeah. and and as soon as I was free, uh, a couple of years ago, almost two years ago, mm -hmm. uh, my old designer friend Jamie Griesmer, uh, you know, sort of caught me right away and said, "Marty, forget everything. Let's just talk. Let's talk about what's new. Let's talk about what's next." And he was he was ready to go. And he we started talking about what's the next cool thing because, you know, the Xbox. Uh, in, in 2000 was the next cool thing Absolutely. and we were uh, somehow at the right place at the right time and got to solve some issues that no one else was solving yep. and uh, um, it was like is there another thing Jamie and he's like yeah VR nice. I'm like okay I, I'm not a believer yet show me what this is yeah. and so uh, I'm, I am now a believer yeah. I think it is you know, it's it just you think about it. It's so early, and it's 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 actually an infant. I mean, yeah. can you go buy one right now today? I mean, you got you know, Gear VR. You gotta, you're waiting for you know, Oculus Gear VR stuff. Gear VR is the and, only thing that you can actually go. That's right. actually impressive, especially for the price point. Right. It does feel like baby's first VR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think it's gonna it's gonna be probably a slow uh, adoption, and 
uh, those of us who are on the creative side making content, we're going to all figure out by looking at what each other does. It's a really, it's a really open community. Nobody's being real precious with the way they're trying to solve things because we all know that if none of us are going to solve it completely by ourselves. We're yeah. going to have to look at what other people do, talk to other uh, designers and engineers yep. and, and artists and go, oh, okay, yeah, this is what works in VR, and this doesn't work in VR. Yeah, I've heard that Jason Rubin, who is uh, oh, yeah. the president at Oculus, is incredibly excited about PlayStation VR launching mm -hmm. because he feels like, you know, and I don't know if he's been quoted on this, but I heard this. So, if you know, Jason, if you're pissed that I'm saying this <laughs> and I'm misquoting you, let me, let me know. We'll have you on the show. But uh, uh, I heard that he's excited that PlayStation VR is coming out there because that has a really good shot at sort of expanding the market and letting people know uh, that this is coming and it's going to be available in multiple formats and and price points and stuff like that. Is is that in your mind the biggest challenge that VR has right now? Is is uh, the expense, but also the the choice that now consumers have to make? It's another format war. Um, no. no, I don't think that's the challenge. Now it might be the challenge for the individual hardware manufacturers because right. they want to win or right. they want to have a good position. Yeah. I think what it. it VR's biggest challenge is going to be getting enough people to have a great experience when they, especially their first experience in VR. They got to try it. They got to try it, yeah. and they have to have an experience that is so compelling. They go, I, I want to do that some more. I want to have that. I did it at my friend's house, and now I need to go buy that. Yeah. And and you know, I mean, how expensive are iPhones? Yeah. I mean, I and everybody has an iPhone. Yeah. And they don't even think twice about. I mean, not everybody. Some people have Androids. I understand yeah, that. But yeah. the point is, Apple's success with the iPhone doesn't hurt the Android. Yeah. It's like everybody has a smartphone now. Everybody yeah. has, the technology keeps uh, advancing. But if it was frustrating yeah. or it wasn't a good experience, it doesn't matter how cheap it is. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, it's a two-edged sword. You've got, you know, you have to have really good solid hardware, but the, the aesthetic experience uh, that is provided, the content, yeah. is going to be the thing that sells VR. Right. And there's this extra level of, uh, there's an extra hill that we all know about, and uh, it's, it's VR sickness, it's yeah. you know, simulation sickness. Yeah. And you know, when we were first doing first person shooters on the console, like you said, there yeah. were like, you could do things that would start to make you feel kind of queasy. Yeah, for sure. And there were some, some games that just made you feel queasy right away. Yeah. So there was a lot of learning curve with like field of view and motion blur and all, I don't even know all the stuff that yeah. the, the experts well, I think out. Vertigo is going to be a big deal in VR. Yeah. I think that idea of height, I mean, and that, that was what got me feeling that, that oomph when I pr projected my first game up there. I was playing SSX oh, wow. and it was so huge. Yeah. It was the first SSX and it was so big and so beautiful and so steep down the mountain <laughs> that I actually felt it in my body yeah. just off of a you know, rudimentary PlayStation 2, I think, right. architecture back then. Right. So now with this high fidelity visual that you can't escape, yes, right. that's going to be a challenge, yeah. but it's also going to be an incredibly thrilling experience yeah. too, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, this is the thing. We, what worked in on a, a 2D, you know, yes, 3D artwork, yeah. but it was still 2D, it was still the window. Yeah. Uh, to have something that is actually virtually real, yeah. okay, so you're looking around. Um, there are things, there are game design elements and, and traditions that don't really come over. They don't really translate. Yeah. And so you can't, and this is our opinion, of course, yeah. but yeah. 
in my experience so far, you can't just take something that was a great 2D game yep. and just say, oh, now it's been VRized, yeah. right? You know, now it's a VR game. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, this is not, I don't feel good. I don't <laughs> like what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not having a great experience. Yes. And I'd rather just play it the way I used to play it. Yeah. Well, that to me is, is just, it's not a good design. So that's a, that's a danger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's talk about Golem. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because it sounds like, uh, you know, like we first started to hear about this maybe five months ago or something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. The first trailers, the yep. first kind of things bubbling up about. It's not even that long. Yeah, and it was awesome, but it was, it was surprising because I think for a lot of people, myself included, it feels like that that uh, bungee kind of stuff was just happened because time is moving so fast. Right. I don't know if that's just me, but time, time <laughs> is moving fast. And so this, this coming together, it's not only a, a new studio, but the game is looking great. Uh, I, I guess it's been in development for a little while though, right? It hasn't just been, you know, six months or seven months or something like that. It's right. been, you guys have been working on this, trying to tackle some pretty core technology and yeah. core kind of visual kind of look to this thing for a little while. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, it was, it was a little almost two years ago that, that Jamie approached me, and the first thing we knew is that if the two of us were going to get together, yeah. he's creative director, I'm an audio director, uh, he's a designer, I'm whatever I am, <laughs> a musician and, and whatever. Yeah. But like we always worked well together. Yeah. But we knew we were going to need a, a, a third wheel, a third leg of the stool, which was Jared Noftel, who had founded Airtight Studios, and he, was a, he wanted to work with us, and he's right. a... Uh, brilliant programmer, and so he's our technical director. Okay. So we sort of had the the you know the tripod, mm -hmm. and then we decided um, let's get some people. Let's first of all, we didn't want to use our own money. So we talked to Jason Rubin, yeah. and it was interesting because right at that time, Jason just took over for Oculus. Yes. And he, we talked to him, and he was like, "Wow, I love what you guys are doing. I love what you guys are thinking." I don't have the infrastructure yet yeah. to like really get going on this. And yeah. we're like, yeah, but we want to work now. Yeah. And uh, Sony was there and said, here's a first party, this bunch of stuff, do, you know, spend six months doing a bunch of prototypes. Cool. And so that's what we did. We got a, our, our first little contract was with Sony to do prototypes. And the one that sort of stuck was this Golem idea. And so we kind of, did a, a rough demo on this a year ago yeah. and showed it to Sony again and others yeah. um, uh, at GDC a year ago. Right. And is, is Shadow of the Colossus an influence? Um, not really. No. Yeah. Okay. T uh, tell me, because I've just seen some stills and some images and stuff like that, but it, it has it evokes that that well flavor. There is a certain idea that there is a, the concept of scale is really important, mm -hmm. and uh, you know we want people when they're in a six-inch doll yeah. and they're walking around a bedroom, things are really really big. Yeah. So that's there's that great scale idea. Yeah. But we also have. Um, uh, eventually, you get powerful enough that you're able to control. You know. 20, 30 foot stone giants called golems. Nice. Uh, and uh, then the place you, was, you were before is like tiny and you're huge, but there's a big golem that's as huge as you are. And so I would say Shadow of the Colossus is an influence only in the sense that that was a great uh, game to give you that sort of shifting scale sure, feel. Yeah. Sure, sure, cool. So tell me how you guys came up with this idea. Like what was the, the core kind of story and, and concept that you wanted to build with this game? Well, Jamie probably had, he's an idea machine. He yeah. had almost immediately, there were 16 <laughs> different ideas. I remember getting these like two, three page documents for each one of the ideas. That's I'm great. like, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah, Jamie, this is great. 
you know, and we pitched them. We talked about how we would flesh them out, and uh, that was that was really Jamie's thing. Yeah. I think one of the main things he was trying to do, and we might not ha- this might not have to be once people are used to VR. We'll, we we talk about how in Halo One. We had to introduce the controls and, yeah. and the precision of the controls, sure. of the two analog sticks, and um, you know, aiming and jumping and looking and inversion and you know, shields and all these things. We had a very complex, long made tutorial. A PC game on a console. Yeah, and yeah. we had this long tutorial um, in the game because mm-hmm. we had to teach people how to play this. And by Halo Two, it was the tutorial was probably cut in half, and I think by Halo Three there was no tutorial. Yeah, it's just that. You know, so in that sense, we're like, okay, we're introducing people to VR. Yeah. So uh, at this point, the hard part is when you're in VR, you you think there's a one-to-one relationship to everything you're doing, but there's sort of not always. Yeah. So there's there can be that little bit of a disconnect. So if I if I have some sort of if I'm holding the move controller, let's say, and it's a it's a supposed to be something. Yeah. And you're sitting there. And I do this. Well, in in my living room, I'm doing this. Yeah. And in the game, I, my hand is stopping. Gotcha. So, we thought let's let's actually make that part of the game. So you you play as a as a handicapped child who can't leave their bedroom, but they realize through the story that they have some magical powers. That's amazing. And they put this, you know, this band on their head that somehow has blue glowing things on it <laughs> so we're like really making it easy it's like yep now put on the psvr yeah just like your character's doing right so there's a fictional reason why you're doing everything yeah and then hold up the magic crystal which is exactly the same size as a move yeah that's great <laughs> and as you look into it that calibrates you and then now you're now you're wandering around doing cool things um so, so it's a little bit like Inception. You're yeah. you're you're playing a thing inside a thing, that, I, and and we might not have to do that in the future because people are going to go, yeah, I get it. It's VR. Yeah. So, but that's that's sort of how we're doing it. But that's a very very clever super meta way to get into any game. Period. I mean, even if that came down five years down the pipeline, yeah. that still sounds like a great great concept. That's uh, Jamie. He's that, super meta. And that and that's veta <laughs> that's veteran uh, development right there. Right. On Absolutely. Old dogs, uh, but we're new tricks. So there you go. Awesome. <laughs> pause you for one second. Yeah. Hey Foobs, I, I can't monitor this, so just that you can help us out, just to make sure that everything's looking good and sound re- recording and it's all good, right? It's, my fear is okay. Good. All right. Cool. Thank you. Uh, and we can also edit this now too. Now which you is, can edit that's it. That's right. Okay. Design. Exactly. Um, so it's it was a couple of years in development. They, they were kind of trying to get you into this. Did it take a lot of coaxing? Did you think of some other kinds of ideas or other kinds of places that you could have gone? Or was like, okay, everything you're telling me makes a lot of sense. I'm joining up right away. Um, no, I was, we, we st- the first thing was like, let's start a studio. Yeah. And the three of us were the core of the studio. And let's see what can happen. Now, I had other things going on at the time. So yeah. it was really great that, especially Jamie and Jared were able to like, you know, pick up my, my slack and get this thing rolling. But the whole idea was like, we, we need to have a project so we can build a studio. Yeah. So we need to be able to build a project and a studio at the same time. Right. And as soon as it sort of took off a year ago and Sony said, yeah, we, wanna, we want you to go with that. And um, it gave us the go ahead. Then we were able to like hire some more people, especially our friends yeah. who were in Seattle. And, and uh, it, so anyway, that's what we did. Okay. And, and so essentially, I think we moved into our space 
it might have been last July or August. So it has, it's, you know, we're not a full year in. So our the game right now, I would still say, is alpha, maybe pre-alpha, actually. Right. I would say pre-alpha. Right. Uh, but it's a small team, and yeah. the scope is not, we're not trying to do a, you know, a 50-hour long right. massive thing. We're trying to do the thing that introduces people to what it's like to play a real game. Right. So it's not a prototype, it's not a demo, it's not a tech demo. Right. This is a game with a story, with characters, with a beginning, middle, and end, with exploration, and, uh, you know, we're hoping, we're pushing for, you know, like a five, six hour campaign. If you right. do more, it'll be longer. If you want to zip through it, maybe it's four hours. Yeah. But that's a real game. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing is, um, no, you just can't sit with any of these HMDs um, for hours and hours at a time. Yeah. So one of the game mechanics that we have is that there are times when you take it off. Yeah. And you take it off for you know game reasons and and fictional reasons and then you look at the tv and then you look at the tv wow. so um there's some the 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 ability to have the tv and the speakers and the headphones and the hmd all working simultaneously um is is really really good and we're taking advantage of that that's cool yeah that's cool yeah this is something i think that I, 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 a lot of people including myself are kind of questioning is like what is the tv doing right like while you have VR on or or even computer screens for the other guys you know is it is it what's it doing <laughs> <laughs> well right now the TV uh, if you if you if we have you out of the HMD you're yep. doing t traditional stuff okay. you're doing some traditional things that you might do in any game mm -hmm. uh, but when you put it on now you're in VR the world for you personally is the world uh, but anybody who walks into the room like your wife yeah or your significant other of any yeah. kind, yeah. Uh, actually sees that you're not just being an idiot. There's things on the screen. She's seeing what you're seeing. Okay. Is it split up into? No, no. no? It's, it's just one screen, and okay. it's. Um, I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, and you get to see. Oh, you. You know, you're. You know, anybody who's in the room could say, "Wait, wait, turn right, go into that tunnel." That's cool. And uh, so uh, suddenly so there's a cooperative. There could be. A potentially co-op, yes. which I think is They're also not the just great. so isolated, Excellent. which we also thought was the problem with VR is like how isolating it could be. Yes. And it doesn't and have to a be. A little indulgent, too, right? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, like even when I was <laughs> testing out the, the, the Gear VR, yeah. I was in my office chair just spinning around going, wee, you know, just <laughs> on my own. And I was like, man, this would be really awful for someone to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, I, People who are playing games don't always look all that, you know, coordinated know. and elegant anyway. True. But VR makes it even worse, <laughs> yeah. and I think we're trying to minimize that. We're, we're uh, uh, it's great that, that Sony has us so that we have a decent picture to look at of what you, what the player is seeing. And it follows your head tracking and everything? It follows your head so tracking. So it's basically the right thumbstick. It, exactly. Okay. As a matter of fact, that's interesting you would say that, because yeah. if you try our game, yeah. because you're a veteran gamer, yeah. you will you will sort of think of yourself, as, because of our incline movement scheme, yeah. you'll say, oh, I see, I'm just the right thumbstick. And yeah. then you'll move way too much. Right. Um, people who don't are not gamers, they just, they sort of naturally get that the moves are very subtle and things gotcha. work. The way so, our heads would track. Moments, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. It, it is, it's especially with movement, it's more just changing your center of gravity enough that you could walk. Right. So in real life, you, in order to walk, you have to just lean a little bit. Yeah. You don't even realize it. You yeah. just change the center it's of a, gravity. It's intentional more than anything, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, you, and you 
put your foot in front of you so you don't fall. Yeah. In our game, you do that same little lean and your character moves. Okay. And then how do you steer? Is it with the, just so, by looking? Just by looking. Okay, so it's just, okay, yeah. cool, and one crazy. And the other things is, is, and this is, I didn't even realize how Jamie did this, but he's, I think he's trying to, to, to patent this whole thing. Oh, wow. We'll see, I, yeah. don't, I doubt it. But yeah. um, if you look Patent over there. Patent it with the word edge. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> um, if you if you look and you start moving in that direction, we event, because when you're actually looking and decide to move there, you you move your body, your shoulders and everything turn, but actually it's your your neck is turning back to center you. Yeah. So what we're doing in the game is you look and you start moving, and then we you whatever direction you're moving in, you will eventually still be f facing forward. So right. even though you turn, you don't have to stay turned in order to go in that direction. Got you. But it happens sort of subtly behind the scenes. Right. It's magic. Yes. And uh, I, people don't even seem to question that it, it, that it works. works. It just works. And yeah. that's the other thing is you can't have a bunch of text on the screen telling you what to do. Totally. Because that's the lack of immersion, right? That's exactly. the loss of immersion right there. It's, it's not only the loss of immersion. It's like the text is like floating in the air. Yes. And if it says, you know, push, you know, hit the A button. Yeah. Well, you're, where's your hands? Yeah. And we, you know, we don't want to have a virtual controller in the screen or anything like that. So yeah. it, the, it has to just feel natural. You learn it as you go. Yeah. Um, and it there's just can't be a lot of explaining. Totally. You're in the Seattle area. Yeah. And, you know, obviously uh, Valve is there and the Vive is kind of being developed right there. Did you talk with them too? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've, we've been over there. We've seen all their demos. We, we know those people. Um, it's great. It, all, the, the community, right now we're in Pioneer Square. Right. And I bet you there's like 30 different small startup VR companies right there. And, and they're building their own headsets and their own technology. <laughs> well, not their own headsets, but they're, you know, they're, they're working with Vive and Oculus okay, and, gotcha. and uh, you know, all the different ones, and including PlayStation. Yeah. And, uh, but it's just, so it's a great little community, and it was great to get the people who, you know, geez, Are Valve we, was right behind us. Is this the years. Apple II era? <laughs> Of this kind of, I mean, are we there? I mean, obviously it's way more advanced technologically and everything, but is it, is it that kind of, is that a, a pretty good comparison? It might be just after the Apple II. Okay. But I don't think it's the Lisa. I'm hoping this is the Macintosh, <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, there was yeah, a yeah. community and, yes. and uh, you know, it, the internet wasn't even around. So people were no. writing letters to each other and right. selling, you know, games out of plastic bags and the, you know, they would show yep. up to flea markets and things like mm -hmm. that. It's not that, right. but it, there was a community. Yeah. And does the VR feel like, oh. like we're all in this together and we, we all need to kind of rise the tide and rise the boats kind yes, of thing? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as we, hang out with with other VR developers we're always talking about well how are you solving this and like well we tried this oh yeah then you know that's not working for us but well we're doing a different kind of game so yeah. we are really nobody is being like I said before nobody's being precious with their technology yes. um, they're, they're all you know talking about it because we know that this first generation isn't the thing that you know, this, this one that thing that's going to solve, solve yeah. everything. Yeah. So we're all going to learn from each other. Right. Um, and it, at least at this point, it does feel pretty friendly and, and collaborative. Well, you've got, it, it, specifically with Golem, you have this uh, traditional television screen dynamic as well as the VR dynamic. And of course, my question is about Microsoft and HoloLens, which kind of 
seems to be in that zone with its AR technology. Yeah. Was that an idea possibly for you guys or was VR the space that you wanted to go full on from the beginning and definitely going in that direction? Okay, well, mm. I have friends at Microsoft yes, still. Yes, you do, I know. And uh, we're also fascinated by AR and conceptually there are you know, really interesting design issues with AR. Mm -hmm. And during that, like I said, during the last year and a half, I've been, you know, dipping my toe into lots of different waters. And uh, I was able to go see Magic Leap. Mm -hmm. And I can't say much about it, but I would say that, that both HoloLens and Magic Leap and, and AR technology is, is, is going to be a major player in whatever this is. Yeah. And I think the way, the fact that we say AR is this and VR is that, uh, I have a feeling those things are going to just sort of meld at some point. And yes. uh, it, not that it's always going to, like everything's going to be the same, but I think... Um, Out of the same piece of kit, you'll be able to do what you want to do. It's, I think that the idea that you have something that you have that immerses you either in the real world that's enhanced or a completely virtual world yeah. that is seems real enough, it could all be part of the same technology I, eventually. I, I, I hate to keep bringing up the Gear VR. It's my yeah. only sort of connection point to this sure. thing, but it's a mobile thing. It's tetherless. Yep. It's got a camera in the front right. and you know it's the phone that you stick on. So that is a potential VR AR device just there. Right. And so that seems like a real natural kind of way to keep building these things. If any one of these devices had a camera in the front, right. suddenly you've got an AR application, right? Yes, you do. Right, okay. <laughs> I'm not telling you anything new, okay. No, no. Yeah. But let me just say, yeah. here's what I think is fun about being in this industry, and this yeah. is probably why I don't want to just, well, I shouldn't say this because I might eventually, but yeah. I still like not just being the music guy, not yeah. just being, I'm just going to compose for somebody else's thing. Um, being sort of at the at the bleeding edge of technology, you know, think about all the all the work that Microsoft put into Connect. Yeah. Think about all the work Sony put into the Move. Yeah. And the, and obviously the Wii. Yeah. Um, and to a certain extent, some of those technologies that are spectacular, mm -hmm. you know, they're not everything clicked yet. It, yeah. You know, their day hadn't come. It's yeah. like what was Apple's uh, tablet back in the 90s? <laughs> the Newton. The Newton. Yeah. You know, it, it, means, it didn't mean they shouldn't do the iPad or yeah. the iPhone. Uh, it just it wasn't quite right yet. Yeah. And um, I think we're in a better place with AR and VR. It's like it's going to come together, but it's, you know, all of a sudden now, the camera on the phone and the camera on your TV uh, for Connect or the camera for for PlayStation and Move, yeah. all these things have a reason for being. Yeah. And even I mean, we we shipped the, uh, I mean, we uh, Microsoft and Brian Schmidt shipped the, uh, I don't know how old this technology is called HRTF. Mm -hmm. It allows you to do three dimensional three D audio in headphones. And it was it was part of the the hardware of the Xbox. Yeah. And nobody really took advantage. We had it. We yeah. did something with it, but it was like, well, nobody played Halo that way. Yeah. Well, HRTF now has a re real reason for being because yes. of VR. Right. And, you know, the move is, like, incredibly essential to our game, and it works so well. It's so precise. And eSports, I would imagine, too, right? <laughs> yeah. All of these tournament players that need yeah. to hear precisely where enemies are and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, I mean, this technology sometimes gets introduced early and yeah. doesn't necessarily 
have a reason for being and now it does yeah so we'll see and that's I guess what keeps you young and keeps you <laughs> invested and keeps you excited and every day is a different day and yes. does it feel similar you know as you drive into work today uh, to work on Gollum and to or Golem and to work at Highwire as it did when you were sort of building Halo with Bungie back in the time? Um, the yeah, you know, it's there was a point, I think we've talked about this, uh, Jamie and I have talked about it, I think the original Halo team was, you know, nine guys mm -hmm. in one of the side rooms at Bungie. Um, the, the, when Bungie was bought by Microsoft and we were you know, like, we're going to be a, a launch title for Xbox, Yeah, I think there was probably 34 four people or something total. Wow. So it, it was a very, very different feel. And yeah. I think uh, working in AAA games and and doing that for a long time, and, and you know, I, I looked around towards the end of my time there, and there were over 600 people, yeah. and you can't know everybody. I yeah. remember my wife asking me one time, um, I think it was towards the end of Halo 2, she yeah. goes, how many people work at Bungie now? Yeah. And I thought, wow, yeah, I wonder how many that is. And I walked around in, mentally in my, uh, I walked around the studio in my head and I named every single person. And I, like, it was like, you know, 63. Yeah. Wow. And I'm like, so, yeah, 63. And I named them all off. Yeah. And that was the last time I was able to do that, which yeah. was like, you know, whatever, 2003 or something. Wow. Because we just kept getting bigger and bigger. And, and when you get bigger and, you know, triple A, you have extra pressures from yeah. all sorts of places. And, maybe the only way to do those kind of projects is to have a really big sort of corporation kind of uh, yes. structure. Yeah. And I, I think just probably deep down that doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. And so one is of the things- Is this a never again kind of statement from Marty O'Donnell or is this a never say never again? Never say never again, okay. I think I've said that. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, there, there are some advantages to having, you know, huge, huge, huge budgets and sure. huge teams and, I mean, to the point where, like, I had a team of, like, I think 12 audio people yeah. that I was, you know, directing. Uh, and now our entire team is 10. Yeah. The entire team. Yeah. I'm the only audio guy. As a matter of fact, I, I had coffee the other day with a, one of my former colleagues. And he said, uh, he says, well, are you cutting footsteps again? I'm like, yeah, I'm cutting yeah. footsteps. I'm making, you know, sand fall noises and I'm, uh, you so know, you're in the Foley room. I mean, I'm doing everything again and I love it. It's yeah. like, why not? Why yeah. shouldn't I? So, yeah. 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 You know, we just, we interviewed Ron Gilbert yesterday and he said the same thing, oh. you know, like yes. he's been through every yeah. level of this. And I asked him if he'd ever want to make a big, and he said, no, no way. <laughs> no. He said the magic number was 12, you know? Well, I, I'm not sure what the magic number is, yeah. but I, I I don't think it's like 750. <laughs> I just, I, I, at least for me, yeah. I don't know how to like, it's so hard when you're one 700th yes. of, even if you're like in charge of certain things, you're never really in charge. I got to so tell you politics. though, the tough thing is on the consumer side and yep. the player side, yep. it is amazing to get lost in the division. Sure. It is amazing to play multiplayer in Halo 5 and to see this constant stream of update. Yep. And I know that is the great challenge of this creative art form yes. and a business mm -hmm. is to kind of keep everybody happy. And it's not binary, you right. know, like if there is no this sucks and this is shit and this is great. There, like, yeah. it, it, there's gotta be a happy middle ground. And I, you know, I, I think during the PlayStation 2, Xbox, that era, up until the 360, and like there was this really glorious time where the studios weren't too big and there was this constant stream of double and triple A, like 
up to 100 people team yeah. type games. And I don't know if we're ever going to get back to that again. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the interesting thing, though, to me is th there, are, there are probably ways of solving this. Like right now, the 10 people we have, we've, we believe that those 10 people are, would be the core of any AAA studio. Yeah. You could easily, I, maybe not that easily, but I think you could easily build a AAA studio around the 10 people we sure, have. Sure. But we're trying to say, well, let's only add people in that, you know, have, can, can uh, have that kind of talent and skill and leadership and let them lead contractors yeah. and third-party people who right. are, and, and they're ready to go. And yeah. the, the industry has gotten to the point where there are people who could specialize in companies that specialize in a certain area. And then, and then our, you know, environment art director can say, all right, here's, here's what I need you to do. Yeah. We get that yeah. from, a, you know, 50 people in a studio that does that. I feel like it very, the movie model. Yes. You put a production together, you hire up, you scale down, you hire, and everybody's, you know, understanding that that's yeah. the way it's going to go. Yeah. So you've got Golem on the way, and yeah. we, it's going to be a PlayStation VR launch window title, which right. we don't... It's very nebulous, but we'll be playing <laughs> it. We'll be playing it soon. Yes, yes. I would say. We, I mean, we our, our our plan right now is to ship this year. Cool. Um, in that launch window, certainly. Yeah. I mean, ideally for us, it would be probably holiday. And uh, uh, but you know what? Things things can change. Sony yeah. might say, "Hey, we got this other idea. Sure. Let's do this." And and we're totally open to that. Uh, in the meantime. I'm yes. also doing. Right. <laughs> yes. I have to shamelessly plug no, my. No, please do. My Kickstarter. Yes. Go to uh, thefirstdreamer.com, mm -hmm. and I'm doing a musical prequel to Golem. So musical that's going to evoke the sense of wonder and mystery, and right. it's a standalone uh, listening experience. That I'd love to have people listen to some music before they ever play the game. So maybe they'll have some stories that are going on in their head, and then when they play the game, they'll hear some of that music and they'll have already sort of an emotional attachment or something. Was this a prequel sort of creative spark for you to kind of get in the headspace to start working on the score for Golem? Or is, because you know, I've read that you like to look at the visuals and look at the assets and stuff come together in a game and then you compose to that. But did you start composing the minute that the idea kind of started to go in this direction and this is the collection that we're going to get on the album? Um, yeah, sure, we could say it that way. Okay. Or perhaps this is a way to spark me to actually start composing. Got you, <laughs> got you, because pieces are still coming together. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, this is why it's, a, you know, I've got a lot of work to do, let yeah. me just say. So yeah. if the people support this, then I go, oh, okay, I guess I better do this. That's awesome. Uh, this is stuff you wanted to do with Destiny, but it didn't come together, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, to me, I thought it was, a, it was, what you just said was a reason why we decided uh, years ago um, because uh, Destiny's production was taking its time, yeah. and there was very, you know, we had, we had hit the delete button essentially on like 10 years of Halo music, yeah. and I remember saying, you know, we need to start building up a new library of Destiny music, and I need to have a lot of Especially themes. For the kind of game that yeah. is, I told you. And yeah. uh, the the decision was, well, gee, what if you actually did a standalone thing and had a different sort of structural reason to. Right. create all this music and I'm like oh I love that idea and so I did that and then it never was saw the light of and holy shit does that <laughs> franchise need something like that you know like there's a lot of fill in the gaps with that brand you know that I don't want to I, I like destiny a lot I think it's right. a really really cool game uh, there's a lot of beauty in that game but man it needs a little more of that beauty and 
but sounds like you have the freedom to build as much beauty as you want now. Well, let me just say that's yeah. one of the great things about a Kickstarter yeah. is that um, it's it's like it's it's up to me, yeah. and it, actually there's nobody above me that can say, yeah, no, yeah. now that you've done all that work, we're yeah. we're not going to do anything. It's it's like the onus is on me, and I get to control it. So. Gotcha. Marty, I don't want to necessarily end on a sour note here, yeah. no pun intended, but uh, uh, I, I, what was it like after the, the fact that the work that you and Paul McCartney did, it, it just it didn't get the fanfare, it didn't get the buzz, it didn't get the hype that I'm sure both of you were kind of counting on. Yeah. Uh, how did it end with with uh, that collaboration with Paul? Was he okay with, uh, with everything? Yeah, well, Paul, Paul's an amazing person. I think he's he's basically okay with everything yeah. and he's always moving forward and uh, we actually stopped working together uh, um, at, at the end of 2012 we, mm -hmm. we worked almost for two years together um, but you know he was already moving on I you know we kept collaborating over over time to say here's what we're planning and here's what we think is gonna happen and blah 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 and it didn't quite come and and uh, within within months within a couple of months after I was gone I, I got a call on my car phone uh, uh, and it was this hello Monty this is Paul uh, you know I've been hearing some rumors and I'm like uh yeah oh my god so um you know I'm sorry yes and he says well listen we're good we're fine you know hang in there I'm sure it's tough and it's you know so it was a it was a really sweet moment for him to call and just give encourage me yeah. and uh, so I, I appreciate that a lot and so you know, I'm still hoping that at some point the, the work we did together, I can talk freely about it because people can hear it and I can say, this is how this all went together and, yeah. and Mike Salvatore and myself and all the other people, plus, plus Paul and his band. And then Paul also contributed to just about every piece along the way. So yeah. is any of his work, can you hear it at all in Destiny? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. yeah, I mean, and I would love to say, yeah, that that bit there and this theme and that thing and this is how well it all came together I want I want to talk about all that that's amazing yeah it's it's terrible that it's all mired in this uh, this weird void but uh, yeah I, it still must be surreal that that happened oh well yeah. Paul is my you know he was the the one of my main childhood heroes yeah. and uh, um, you know, I never in a million years thought I would have an opportunity to work with Paul, and it was, it was you know, better than I could have imagined. Yeah. And, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, he understood that, like, hey, we're just two musicians, and, you know, if this works, great. If it doesn't, that's no big deal. But yeah. it couldn't be that I was just like, oh, yes, you're so wonderful, I can't do anything. Yeah. You know, we had to have that, that period where, you know, I knew he trusted me, and that I actually believed that what we would do together would be better than what we would not do by ourselves sure. and that's that's the kind of thing you have to do in any collaboration yeah. right and yeah, yeah. and you can't just you know be a, you know working as a fanboy yeah. and have something good come of it so are you excited to uh, I, I would imagine one of the cool things about virtual reality is that uh, that divide of thumbsticks is kind of out the window right you just put the, the headset on your head and there's an element of understanding yeah. how to kind of navigate inside of the space. And I know that he's not a big gamer. He talks about, <laughs> he talks about losing the yes. rock band Beatles to his, to his grandkids, which is hilarious. Yeah. But are you excited to send him a PlayStation VR thing and have him try Golem and, and disappear into that for a bit? Yes, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, you know, we have, like I was saying before, we've had uh, people who just don't play games. Yeah. 
and they put this on and they immediately are able to do amazing things because they don't have any conditions, uh, preconditions or, or, or ex, uh, expectations. Sure. You know, one other thing I was going to say really quick about like the smaller teams making AAA content. I think it have the AAA polish. It might not have the you know 80, 100 hours of gameplay, but I mean, just look at this year. Yeah. Ori in the Blind Forest. You know, everybody's gone to the Rapture. Yeah. Her story. Right. These. You know, Firewatch. At Firewatch, yeah. yeah. I mean, these are all games that are small teams with you know AAA sensibilities, sure. and the fans and the awards shows are they're right next to the 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 big 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 games. So. Rocket League too, right? Oh yeah, of right? course I know. Phenomenal Amazing. Rocket League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I I'm I'm not saying that's the death of AAA. I'm just yeah. saying that. Um, there are different ways of doing it, different team sizes. You know, that's very interesting because I think uh, you've gone through the the gamut of growth. You know, you've run that through that gauntlet of trying to figure out how you manage all of those people. But all, through all of that, all of these really incredible digital technologies became very accessible and very inexpensive, and all of these past processes and stuff kind of got shared through, you know, events like GDC and stuff like that. So maybe there is this uh, shared knowledge base so that one person is like five developers from five years ago or 10 years ago. Maybe, yes. maybe there is the sense of uh, jack-of-all-trades-ness because some of the messiness of game development has kind of started mm -hmm. to shape up a little bit. Well, I mean, uh, like I said before, each, each person on our team is at least a triple threat. Yeah. And uh, both, for example, I mean, I, I was known as a music producer in yeah. Chicago. So I have production sensibilities along with composition. Sure. And you couldn't course, be running a studio if you didn't, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Jamie is a, a writer and a producer and a creative and, and a designer. I mean, he's got a double major in physics and philosophy, which <laughs> is the perfect game design double major, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, and Jared has started his own company. He's got a lot of business sense. He could be a biz dev guy, and he's also an expert uh, Designer, programmer. Uh, programmer. And uh, and you know, so it's just like everybody has to do more than one thing, yeah. and that's okay. Vic DeLeon is one of our great artists who worked on Halo stuff forever yeah. and ran he, outsourcing. He unzends tweets every night, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it, that guy. That, that shit freaks me out every <laughs> night. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Every time I see it, I was like, you creep uh, me out, dude. Uh, well, Victor says hi. Okay. Or, I mean, I, uh, uh, Vic says hi to, to Victor, All so right. uh, he told me to say hi. Yes, okay, okay cool. good. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Marty, I know that uh, everybody that knows you and has followed your work and is a fan of you, is incredibly happy with what's happening with Highwire and with Golem and with VR and uh, you know we can't wait to play this thing can't wait to see what's next and uh, you know congratulations man thanks talk about a phoenix rising it's oh, fantastic well, thank you very much Appreciate all right thanks for joining us all right everybody we'll be back next week with a brand new Vic's basement thanks for watching stitcher